Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a great job. Uh, you can find out more by visiting their website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine, Be in the Know and Stay Up to Date. By reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. We have great guests for today's show, including Bob Levy. He's the chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll uh, talk about the Bill of Rights Sanctuary that was proposed here in Collier County. We'll also visit with Andrew Jopp, a professor and author of Josephus of Oz. And Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of several books, his latest, What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional. It is August the 18th, and on this day in 1920, a dramatic battle in the Tennessee House of Representatives ended with a state ratifying the 19th Amendment to the United States Constitution. After decades of struggle and protest by suffragettes across the country, the decisive vote was cast by a 24-year-old representative who reputedly changed his vote after receiving a note from his mother. America's suffrage movement was founded in the mid-19th century by women who had become politically active through their work in the abolitionist and temperance movements. In July 1848, 200 women suffragists, organized by Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Lucretia Mott, met in Seneca Falls, New York, to discuss the women's rights. After approving measures asserting the right of women to educational and employment opportunities, they passed a resolution that declared... It is the duty of women of this country to secure themselves their sacred right to the elective franchise. For proclaiming a woman's right to vote, the Seneca Falls Convention was subjected to public ridicule, and some backers of women's rights withdrew their support. However, the resolution marked the beginning of the women's suffrage movement in America. When Carrie Chapman Catt took over from Susan B. Anthony as president of the National American Women's Suffrage Association in 1900, she prioritized the push for a constitutional amendment to give women the right to vote. At the outset of World War I, NASWSA researched and urged women to prove their worth to the war effort while the National Women's Party, led by Lucy Burns and Alice Paul, engaged in civil disobedience directly targeting President Woodrow Wilson with protests outside the White House. Finally, facing growing pressure on multiple fronts, Wilson came to a special session of Congress in May of 1919 and personally appealed for women's suffrage. Having voted down the amendment six times, Congress finally approved it, sending it to the states for ratification. Now here's where it gets interesting. By March of 1920, just one more state was needed to ratify the 19th Amendment in order for it to become law. The Tennessee General Assembly took it up the question in August, in August, and suffragists and anti-suffragists bore down on the Nashville. The state Senate voted convincingly to ratify, but the House failed to do so twice by two votes of 48 to 48. Senate Representative Harry T. Byrne, a 24-year-old from McMinn County, was one of the nay votes. Reportedly, had intended to vote for ratification, but had been persuaded not to by telegrams from his constituents and members of his party. Just as the third vote was about to begin, Byrne received a letter from his mother, Feb Emsinger, Byrne, that read, in part, hurrah, and vote for suffrage and don't keep them in doubt 
I've been watching to see how you stood, but have not seen anything yet. Don't forget to be a good boy, <laughs> she wrote. On the third vote, Byrne changed his mind. Thanks to a single vote, the House approved the amendment. Tennessee ratified it, and the Constitution was changed to guarantee women the right to vote. On August the 26th, the amendment was formally adopted in the Constitution by a proclamation of Secretary of State Bainbridge Colby. Despite the ratification of the amendment and the decades-long contributions of black women to achieve suffrage, poll taxes, local laws, and other restrictions continued to black women and men of color from voting, it would take another more 40 more years for all women to achieve voting equality. That vote cast on this day. While Haiti, the death toll from uh, Saturday's 7.2 magnitude earthquake is now at 1,941 folks, more than 9,900 are injured. The massive earthquake has left the Caribbean island reeling, overwhelming hospitals. Tropical Storm Grace has hampered search and rescue efforts and left survivors struggling to keep safe in shelters. The U.S. has pledged its supports, sending helicopters to help deliver resources. It all comes as UNICEF has estimated the earthquake has affected about 1.2 million folks on Haiti, with many families separated in need of shelter or struggling for access to clean water and health care. Poor Haitians, they just can't buy a break. Can you imagine another tropical storm bearing down on them right now? After all that, earthquake and a couple of uh, hurricanes and or tropical storms. American citizens will reportedly not be prioritized by President Joe Biden in the evacuations from from Afghanistan. Afghans applying for special immigrant visas, or SIVs, will be taken in order that they are evacuated, Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby told Fox News. Once we get more airlift out of Kabul, we're going to uh, put as many people on those planes as we can, he said. There'll be a mix, not just of American citizens, but perhaps some Afghan SIV applicants as well. We're going to focus on getting people out of the country, then sorting it out at the next stop. It's uh, not going to be just Americans first, then SIV applicants. I just think about that for a moment. Not Americans first. Uh, the Constitution requires that the, these elected officials take care of Americans first. And how they somehow prioritize Afghans who may or may not be... Uh, criminals and who may or may not be supportive of the United States is beyond understanding. The report comes after a joint statement Sunday from State Department and Defense Department on the operations to secure the airport and expedite evacuation process. Over the next 48 hours, we've expanded our security presence to nearly 6,000 troops with a mission focused solely on facilitating these efforts and we'll be taking over airlift air traffic control, the statement read. Monday and over the coming days, we will be transferring out of the country thousands of American citizens who have been resident in Afghanistan, as well as locally employed staff on the U.S. mission in Kabul, and their families and other particularly vulnerable Afghan nationals. And we will accelerate the evacuation of those thousands of Afghans eligible for U.S. special immigrant visas, nearly 2,000 of whom have already arrived in the United States over the past two weeks. For all categories, Afghans who have been cleared security screening will continue to be transferred directly to the United States, and we will find additional locations for those yet to be screened. By the way, uh, Newsom out in California said, hey, bring them here, we'll we'll take them. (laughs) So there's reportedly thousands of Americans remaining in Afghanistan on Sunday. The Afghan refugees reportedly 
are going to be housed on U.S. military bases in Wisconsin and Texas. Uh, Pentagon officials uh, confirms that the uh, Department of Defense is preparing to house thousands of Afghan refugees on American military installations immediately upon, including Fort Coy in Wisconsin at Fort Bliss in Texas. Uh, just uh, appalling that the Americans are not given priority. Just appalling. Not only is the President Obama being mocked for his disastrous Afghanistan withdrawal in the homeland, but international allies are also targeting Biden after witnessing the swift victory of emboldened Taliban terrorists in what is being described as the worst than America's humiliating evacuation of Saigon in 1975. The haphazard Afghanistan withdrawal is eroding the confidence of international allies that his administration is capable of fulfilling his foreign policy promises. British Prime Minister Tobias Elwood, chairman of the Defense Committee in the British Parliament, mocked Biden's America is back foreign policy. Whatever happened to America is back, Elwood uh, told the Washington Post. People are bewildered that after two decades of this high-tech power intervening, they are withdrawing and effectively handing the country back to the people who we went to in to defeat, Elwood said. <clears throat> this is an irony. How can you say America is back when you're being defeated by an insurgency armed with no more than rocket-propelled grenades, landmines, and AK-47s? Uh, another uh, post from the Washington Post, the Enigma Security Consultancy of the United Arab Emirates which hosts one of the biggest military contingents in the Middle East, told a newspaper, uh, is raising alarm bells everywhere. So the Emirates is concerned as well. This is uh, just appalling. And by the way, uh, another statement from uh, the, the Chinese state mouthpiece reacted to the fall of Kabul to the Taliban Monday by saying that the crisis has dealt a severe blow to U.S. hegemony and suggesting allies such as Taiwan should be careful about placing their trust in the U.S. Taliban's rapid victory uh, em embarrasses U.S., smashes image, arrogance, stated one headline in the Global Times, a Chinese Communist Party organ. It published uh, an editorial contrasting the U.S. commitment to Afghanistan and its commitment to Taiwan, and concluding that it had abandoned Afghanistan and the ruling pro-independence Democrat Progressive Party in Taiwan should wake up from their dreams, it said. So uh, the Chinese are trying to exacerbate the situation and trying to make hay while the sun shines as uh, the United States withdraws from Afghanistan. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples, the longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine, be in the know and stay up to date. By reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato Institute, that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. 
Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. <clears throat> Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new refreshing social networking platform. You can download the app by going to the website, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Right now we have with us Bob Levy. Bob is a constitutional scholar and author and chairman of the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Good to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C. Free markets, private property, securing individual rights, and limited government. C-A-T-O dot O-R-G on the web. Thank you, Bob. Last week we started a, a discussion of the Collier County Bill of Rights Sanctuary Ordinance that did not pass, but nevertheless is providing some interesting background here. Can you state or, or local legislatures nullify federal law? Can state or lo local legislatures nullify federal law? Um, the answer is no. Uh, the theory of nullification holds that the federal government exists by will of the states, and therefore the states have the right to decide which federal laws are constitutionally valid uh, inside their borders. But the U.S. Constitution, which of course was ratified by the states, has been interpreted to mean something quite different. Um, and it's our courts that in fact have the final word. In uh, Federalist 78, Hamilton wrote that the courts have the duty, and this is a quote, uh, to declare all acts contrary to the manifest tenor of the Constitution, void. And Madison uh, agreed. He said, that, he said the states can declare federal laws unconstitutional, but 
that the declaration would have no legal effect unless the courts agreed. And in Madison's report of 1800, he wrote that state declarations are expressions of opinion intended only for reflection, whereas the expositions of the judiciary are carried into immediate effect. And of course, we know that three years after that, uh, Chief Justice John Marshall in the famous uh, opinion, Madison v. Marbury, sort of settled the matter, and he wrote, it is emphatically the province and duty of the judicial department to say what the law is. And that, that doctrine has been followed ever since. So instead of 50 individual states and who knows how many hundreds of localities uh, reaching, reaching different conclusions regarding a particular constitutional provision, instead we have one Supreme Court that establishes a uniform rule for the entire nation. And, of course, you can imagine if, if nullification were permitted, then, you know, we might still have Chicago's gun ban or or uh, Orville Faubus could have blocked uh, Arkansas school integration and, and Virginia could still be banning interracial marriages and Texas might still be putting gay people in jail for having uh, consensual sex. So my conclusion is the states cannot nullify uh, federal law. All right, thank you, Bob. But are states or localities required to enforce federal law or to enact a federal regulatory program? The answer, again, is is no. So while the states uh, can't nullify federal law, they're not required to enforce federal law. And they're not required to enact laws that match uh, the federal law. And there was this gun case, uh, Prince versus the United States, back in 1997, about background checks. And the court, Supreme Court ruled the federal government could not command state law enforcement authorities to conduct these background checks uh, on potential handgun purchasers. And then in a, in a uh, case, uh, New York versus the United States, the court also ruled that Congress can't impose on the states the obligation to enact specified regulations that match the uh, federal regulations. So, uh, just to repeat, the the feds can't compel the states to enforce federal law, and the feds can't force the states uh, to enact a particular uh, law or uh, or regulation. So, but can the feds put pressure on, for example, grant or deny benefits to promote state cooperation? Yeah, instead of forcing the states, what they sometimes do is make the programs, in quotes, optional. Uh, usually by promising the states that they're going to get gobs of money by uh, cooperating or that they're going to be denied uh, benefits if they don't cooperate. That, that, that's called uh, conditional spending, and it's designed, of course, so Congress can do things that wouldn't otherwise be constitutionally permitted. And the, the key case <clears throat> was South Dakota versus Dole. The states had to adopt a uh, 21-year-old minimum drinking age, or else the feds were going to withdraw 5% of federal highway funds. And Rehnquist, who was chief justice at the time, said, you know, that's okay as long as uh, this carrot or stick that the feds use is closely related to the uh, cooperation from the states that the feds desired. And in that case, Rehnquist 
quite amazingly from my perspective, he, he concluded that the connection between highway funds and drinking age uh, was close enough. Huh. Uh, supposedly, uh, these, uh, uh, these different drinking ages created an incentive for teenagers to travel to some state where there was a low age and have a few drinks and drive home. And since Congress wanted the roads uh, it, that it funds to be used safely, uh, that's that's all it would take to link this drinking age and highway funds. And so as a result of that case, <clears throat> during the 24-year period after that case, the court didn't invalidate a single use of this carrot-and-stick approach that the uh, feds use. That changed with Obamacare. Um, whatever other um, problems the Obamacare decision had, it did get one thing right, and that is Chief Justice Roberts and six other justices declared that if the feds threat, threaten to withdraw all Medicaid reimbursement, if a state refuses to expand Medicaid, that's coercive because right. it leaves the states no real option. So in fact, in effect, there, there's now another test for this carrot-and-stick approach, and that is the funding that the feds use can't be so vital to the states that essentially it forces uh, compliance. So interesting. Well, can a state or local locality impede federal enforcement of a federal law? Yeah, again, the, the answer there is no. Uh, so that the feds, uh, they can, without question, enforce their own laws. Uh, using their own law enforcement personnel, unless, unless of course, the courts have held that the laws are unconstitutional. Um, and, and most important, individuals within a state are not exempt from prosecution by the feds simply because the state or the local uh, jurisdiction uh, declares that a law is unconstitutional. So there, there's no clause or implied power um, in either the national or the various state constitutions that enables the states to prevent um, federal uh, federal enforcement. So once again, the, the states can't nullify federal law, but the feds can't force the states to to uh, cooperate in enforcing federal law or even to enact a matching law. But on the other hand, the states can't take affirmative measures that try to prevent federal enforcement authorities from enforcing uh, uh, federal federal law. Hmm. So if a locality or individual deems a federal law to be unconstitutional, what's the proper remedy? That's pretty straightforward. The courts have the last word, and the remedy is a lawsuit. Uh, challenge the constitutionality of this uh, suspect federal regulation or statute. So if an individual believes that his or her rights are violated by uh, the federal government, the individual can sue. And if the individual believes his rights are violated when a state refuses to enforce uh, uh, federal law, which the state can do, uh, but the individual can also sue the state, and then the courts are going to determine the uh, going to determine who's right. Uh, that's so interesting. So what are your specific comments about the Collier Bill of Rights Sanctuary Ordinance that was proposed? Yeah, let me, before I do that, let me just summarize once again, because it's kind of complicated. The states don't have to enforce federal laws. Congress can't mandate that the states enact laws. Uh, and by the way, we're seeing that 
play out in practice. You know, you got 18 states now that have legalized recreational marijuana, despite the fact that the federal law says you can't do that. It's you know it's illegal, and there there are roughly a couple hundred jurisdictions that have declared themselves to be sanctuaries for uh, selected immigrants. Um, so that's all okay. They can declare that, but they can't block the federal officials who attempt to enforce the federal law. So that's the federal, state, local framework. Uh, the specific ordinance, um, in principle, it's okay for the county, uh, Collier County, not to participate uh, in the enforcement of what they deem to be an unconstitutional act. It's okay not to use county funds to enforce uh, those acts. But it doesn't mean that the county, uh, that this Collier Sanctuary Ordinance is uh, valid. I think the the problem there is that there are no criteria in the bill for determining whether or why a federal law is unconstitutional. Apparently the sheriff, who's not even under the control of the county board of commissioners, makes that determination. So without these established criteria and without some accountability, uh, individuals and government officials can't know how to uh, conform their actions to the dictates of the law. So I, I would say that the proposed ordinance is void for vagueness and therefore unenforceable. And, and the ordinance also declares that the offending federal law is, quote, it says, null, void, and of no effect in Collier County. That plainly, I think, is an invalid uh, nullification of federal law. So while the county can do some of the things that it's tried to do, uh, it cannot ultimately nullify uh, the law, and it cannot pass a law that's so vague that nobody knows quite what it means. Mm, so interesting. Bob Levy, again, chairman of the Cato Institute, Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O dot org. Bob, always appreciate your commentary. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to be with you, Bob. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Andrew Jopp, a professor and author of Josephus of Oz. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples.
Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Gulf Shore Playhouse. I proudly served as board chairman at Gulf Shore Playhouse almost since its inception uh, and for 15 years and just very proud of what we've accomplished. We're bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best and of course building a performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out more by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell. Right now we have with us Professor Andrew Joppa, author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Andy. We have so much to talk about, and I can't help but start with what's happened in Afghanistan. It's, it's horrible. Um, let me just start out with my good news for today, and it's hard to find, but uh, perhaps from this horror, horrible situation in Afghanistan, Maybe some good news can emerge. And what is that, Bob? It may be that America, for perhaps the entirety of America, may finally realize what we're looking at with the Biden administration and all of the support personnel uh, that, that uh, are around the Biden administration. I mean, if, if there was anything that could glaringly expose what we've been saying for years, or at least a year, about that administration, Bob, uh, I think uh, the Afghanistan situation is, is highlighting that in, in spades at this point. You know, and, and what's interesting is uh, while his popularity has dropped, almost plummeted, uh, dropped the bottom has fallen out of it, there's still people who support him and think he's doing a good job. Can you believe that? No, I, I really can't. I, I don't understand it. I, I've talked to a few of my family members, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to have to give up on that because all I look for is a conversation that would point out the realities of what we're seeing. I mean, with, this is not some hypothetical. This is something we're seeing right now. And um, uh, their, their inability to even grasp the, uh, the, the horror of this thing is, is just, to me, outrageous. Uh, and I think there's still a large portion of the American people that are just not going to be uh, emotionally, psychologically, intellectually able to understand the horrors of what we're seeing. Yeah, I mean, the Global Times has already, a Chinese mouthpiece has already stated that, uh, you know, look at what's happened in Afghanistan. Do you think that the United States is going to stand up to China with regard to Taiwan? We don't think so. It's kind of, so in other words, leveraging, the, and, and I think the, on, a, on the world stage, apparently the president hasn't even reached out to other people across uh, other uh, uh, leaders across the, uh, across the world. He's he's uh, not made phone calls. He's not reestablished connections with them. What do you think the the, the rest of the world is thinking about uh, this <laughs> this botched? Well, I, I know that's a hypo 
a rhetorical question, Bob, as I think we, we know. They, they can see America is, uh, if not weak, certainly is incompetent to, uh, to respond adequately, meaningfully uh, in, in defense of its own values or its own system, Bob. And I think, obviously, China's learning that. Their flyovers, bomber flyovers of Taiwan, I think, is, uh, is documenting that. I, I think we're going to see all of that accelerating, especially now with a complete Taliban takeover of of Afghanistan, uh, ISIS is going to is is inserted right now in uh, in Afghanistan, and there's going to be some variation of of terrorist activity coming out of Afghanistan. I'm not going to predict another 9/11, but uh, I think we're going to see certainly a, a rapid increase in the uh, in the potentials, at least for for terrorist activities, uh, not only in America but across the world. But let me just note: I mean, all of this. Um, has been attributed to to bad intel, uh, or much of it at least, Bob. I, I extracted a piece from a piece I wrote six months ago. Six months ago, I wrote, the U.S. should compress its operations to Bagram Air Force Base. From there, they could monitor any extremist activities and provide air support for the Afghan military and provide ongoing intelligence for, the, for Afghanistan and all of Southwest Asia. In that same piece, a little bit later on, I wrote, a total U.S. withdrawal should it occur, will create the immediate takeover of Afghanistan by the Taliban. Now, people like myself and, and you and, and most of us that are involved with these issues, we don't have any uh, hotline information to uh, intelligence from that area. But uh, logic and the obvious nature of that situation was just screamingly apparent uh, for the administration to somehow totally have ignored it. To have uh, Secretary of Defense Austin not be aware of it, to have a General Milley not be aware of it, uh, I, I cannot fathom that process uh, as it is unfolding and continues to unfold in, in Afghanistan. And let me just note, with uh, all time delays are going to result in enormous levels of death or other horrible potentials. We're already seeing um, uh, people being slaughtered in some of the areas outside of Kabul. Uh, we're seeing that women are once again being put into a subservient position. So uh, all of these gains, and I, I always had doubts whether we could be doing any social restructuring in Afghanistan, uh, but certainly those things occurred. And all of the benefits that, we, we, that cost us trillions of dollars, Bob, and thousands of lives, are, are being abandoned completely. I, uh, I find it difficult to, to accept as an American. Uh, it is similar to Saigon, if not worse than Saigon, uh, when Saigon fell in 1975. And uh, as an American, I'm, uh, I'm embarrassed, Bob. I, I'm just embarrassed. Yeah, you know, it's, it's ironic that the uh, Taliban had a press conference after the takeover and answered questions. Joe Biden delayed finally came out, made a speech, flew back to Washington, D.C. in the middle of the day as opposed to prime time at 6 o'clock at night or 7 o'clock at night, gave a speech and uh, didn't take any questions and got back on a helicopter and flew back to Camp David, uh, appalling the lack of leadership, demonstrable leadership on his part. Well, you think even if Biden was not up to the task, that is, uh, working associates would have somehow filled the gap and, uh, and come forward. When I hear the spokespeople for the Pentagon, for the State Department, they, they seem like children, Bob, naive children as they, as they discuss the issue. Uh, Nancy Pelosi's comments on the, on the Taliban and, uh, you know, her threat to them that the world is watching, as if the Taliban... Uh, has the slightest concern with the world watching their activities. Right. So uh, their, their naivete is, is appalling. 
it's uh, if, if even if I believe they're being honest, I think perhaps I I prefer that they're lying to us because at least that would not suggest uh, their mental incompetence that I think we're seeing on full display right now. You know, I, I made a comment shortly after, kind of a knee-jerk reaction, saying uh, generals' heads should roll over this, providing the president bad information. But now I understand that apparently he was going against their advice and doing what he did anyhow, So, which really uh, confirms the fact that he is not fit to be president. Well, this seems to be a, a Biden um, mission uh, in its entirety. Uh, again, rejecting sound advice, in some cases coming to him, uh, as best I understand that the last person that interacted with Biden before he made these decisions was Kamala Harris. So we, we have the, the deadly tandem duo, uh, Biden and Harris, being the, the authors of, of what we're seeing right now in, in Kabul. Um, I hear many commentators, and I, it bothers me. There's a, I know there's a serious discussion that could be had about which of the Afghans should be brought over to America as, uh, as refugees from the Taliban right now. And I understand that it can't be everyone, but there seems to be a <clears throat> general lack of compassion as to uh, what is going to happen to thousands of these Afghans who gave us support for 15, 20 years in some cases. What's going to happen and is happening to them and will happen to their families. Uh, in, in addition, I, I just was reading the comment by uh, former U.S. ambassador to Afghanistan, Ronald Newman, and, and he essentially said, it is almost as if the U.S. intentionally subverted the Afghan government. He yeah. asserted, we built an air force that depended on contractors for maintenance and then pulled the contractors. The salaries of the Afghan army have been paid by the Pentagon. But from the moment the American army announced this plan withdrawal in April, responsibility fell on the Kabul government. Many Afghan soldiers have complained they have not been paid in months. In many instances, their units were no longer receiving food or supplies, not even ammunition. If you add to that the withdrawal of United States air support and intelligence, uh, was there any doubt that this army was not going to be able to stand up uh, to the Taliban insurgency post the withdrawal of American forces, Bob? I can't help but mention that, of course, Hunter Biden and his activities have compromised the president of the United States. It makes me wonder how much uh, communist China played a role in uh, coaching this decision. I, I, I'm interested in, in uh, you expanding that remark, if you might, please. Well, only that uh, I wonder if, in fact, uh, that he was given advice by the Communist Chinese Party to abandon it and, and make the exit the way he did. Um, it, it certainly can't be ignored as a potential, Bob. I think the influence of, of China is, is dramatic, far beyond even our uh, most dire uh, measurements of that. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that, that certainly is a possibility. Yeah, in I fact, think uh, uh, that's something that is going to diminish the uh, America on the world political stage. Uh, and I think it's, it's damaging. You know, I was reading some remarks by some Gold Star parents who, who said, I, I do not want to believe that my son died in vain. I, I don't want to believe that. Yeah. When I hear the comments talking about nothing was accomplished there, nothing was gained, well, a lot was gained, and a lot could have uh, been sustained merely by, my, merely by sustaining uh, our, our compressed activities in Bagram Air Force Base. While we closed that down, turned off the electricity, did not even notify the Afghan commander of that base, who was a depending commander, uh, is just outrageous. If we had kept Bagram open during this uh, evacuation process, we would have had a secure facility. 
plus Bagram was the uh, the location of 5,000 prisoners, terrorist prisoners, who were being housed at Bagram, and they were immediately released, of course, when the United States left that facility. Uh, the, the series of events are so uh, horrid that it's almost impossible to believe they were due to pure incompetency, and that perhaps gets back to your remark. If those, these actions are not the result of incompetency, what, what generated the outrageous nature of American actions in, in Afghanistan over the past week and beyond, Bob? Yeah, I mean, my question was really rhetorical in the sense that I know there is no answer at this point, but I only raised the specter of influence from Communist China on the outcome of what's occurred here, and I'm not suggesting that, it, that uh, or accusing Biden of that. I'm suggesting that it should be investigated because, obviously, Biden has been compromised uh, by the actions of uh, Hunter Biden. Yeah, I, I mean, I certainly understood that you were not making a direct accusation, but I think considering what we know about the general Chinese influence of our uh, of our political system and our political leaders in many cases, I, I think that kind of thing can't be ignored. And as I just said, if it if it is not pure wild in, incompetence, then there has to be a reason found that would explain it. Uh, when we look at uh, Austin and Millie, you know, being so distracted by critical race theory and, and, and creating a woke military, uh, shouldn't they have been compiling lists of Americans who were uh, NGO Americans uh, who were, who were uh, operating in Afghanistan? Shouldn't there have been a compiled list of Afghanis who had given loyal support to, uh, to our troops and our forces over there for, for many years? Shouldn't that have been their major focus over the past several months at least? Uh, and yet they seem to be uh, totally uh, invested in issues that were totally unrelated to anything that had significance for, for America or, or the Afghanistan and, or Afghanistanian process, Bob. Yeah, I would like to ask really if he's made any progress on understanding white rage <laughs> in the midst of all this. So uh, I, I want to change the topic before I let you go and our time runs out. Uh, this mandatory vaccination and the vaccination uh, uh, positions that many uh, government agencies just has me really concerned about freedom in the United States. I'd like to get your comments. It's a difficult issue. I mean, I, as I pointed out in a previous essay, Bob, there are circumstances that could be so dramatic in their danger that the government would gain the right to uh, to man mandate a vaccination. Let's say a significant outbreak of Ebola. But uh, this is not that. This is not something of such a dire nature that one of the major concepts of freedom that your body is 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 your temple and the government cannot mandate anything be put into it against your will right. uh, should dominate this discussion. Uh, for the government not to understand that many of the people resisting the, the vaccinations are doing so because the government has earned their distrust over the past uh, year and a half in terms of uh, misstatements, things that are not accurate, uh, uh, totally fallacious positions. So many people are reluctant to, uh, to use the vaccines for that reason, and I understand that. You know, this is a, uh, a difficult situation. I, I'm not going to say this is a slippery slope to other intrusions of a comparable type, but that can't be ignored. If the government gains the right to mandate vaccinations, what else could they gain the right to demand of American citizens? That's absolutely correct. You just take a look at uh, the uh, extrapolate to the absurd, and you t take a look at what's happening in New Zealand. They have one case in seven months, and they lock down the entire country. 
it's just unbelievable. So yeah, and uh, you know, as you and I, if I might reveal this, the audience discussed over breakfast. You know, is this this COVID uh, situation in the Delta variant going to be extended into 2022, the election year? Uh, and the election process itself. And uh, are we once again going to see absurd uh, election uh, procedures that will automatically create a high degree of, of fraudulent ballots being cast? And I, um, I think that uh, you and I perhaps reached agreement on that position, that uh, this is a likely situation that will extend itself into that election process. Bob. You know, they're going to try for sure. So uh, it just makes me uh, opine for the days of uh, making America great again and Donald Trump. Well, I, I saw I saw uh, President Trump on on Hannity last night. He looked good. He sounded strong, and it was so uh, so wonderful to hear a, a clear and articulate voice for for America and for what should have been done uh, in Afghanistan. Uh, for the Biden administration to try to attribute this to Donald Trump as if Donald Trump would have allowed this chaos to have existed, as if Donald Trump would have allowed our military supplies, our military hardware to be taken over by uh, by the Taliban. Uh, it, it's just outrageous to suggest that Donald Trump uh, would have allowed any of this to happen in uh, in Afghanistan, Bob. That's so right. And, but let, let me add, it, I think the president made it obvious that he was going to run in 2024. Hannity asked a direct question. Uh, President Trump said he could not answer that because of election regulations that would have stymied his activities, but he gave a, a huge smile, and I think it was obvious that what he was saying is he's going to run in 2024, and I certainly hope that happens, Bob. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. Uh, uh, so, Andy, before I let you go, uh, the absurd eviction moratorium, again, another uh, attack on individual rights and property rights. What are your thoughts? Well, we don't have a lot of time, but let me just say, if the government feels these, this eviction moratorium is, 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 is necessary, then the government has to make these landlords whole. There's some presumption in the, in the progressive left that landlords are big corporate uh, holders of property and that they are the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the people gathering the rent or the mortgage payments. In, in many cases, perhaps even most cases, these are small investors that have, have taken their savings, bought into apartment units, bought into, into condos and so forth. And these people are not going to be able to sustain the, uh, the, the care necessary to keep these buildings in repair. Uh, and the, I think the housing industry in the future is going to suffer dramatically uh, because of these, this uh, uh, eviction moratorium. Let me just add a note with the time we have left. This goes back a long way. 1970s, uh, a friend of mine in Yonkers owned 600 apartment units. He was collecting the rental uh, process directly from the government because these were mostly welfare people. The government then changed that and the rent went into the hands of the, of the person renting. His rental revenues dropped off by 80%. He was not able to, to sustain the repairs and upkeep of these units, and he lost them because of, of health department uh, attacks on his units. So uh, this process of government intrusion in this industry, I think, has damaged it for many years, and I think the eviction moratorium will continue that same process. Bob. Yeah, interesting. Andrew Joppa, again, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. By the way, a terrific read. Andy, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you, Bob. My pleasure indeed. Coming up, Professor Larry Bell 
endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Listen to the Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulubee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to bobharden at hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889, or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, providing and creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of at least 10 books. His latest, What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional. It's a great read. Uh, again, Professor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, I always enjoy it. Thank you so much. My pleasure indeed. Uh, your latest Newsmax column is really fascinating and interesting. Biden and handlers hunker in bunkers. Of course, this all leads uh, about the Afghanistan situation. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, i got another article coming out today about that. It's a... Uh... You know, it's really a tragedy. Uh, the uh, chaos in, in Afghanistan right now is is not just a problem over there. It's going to become a problem over here with you know the terrorism in that in that area, uh, Pakistan, Afghanistan area. They got like tw- at least twenty different terrorist groups that create all kinds of mayhem there, and. Uh, now, with this occurring, you know, they have no obstruction at all. We have no eyes over there anymore because our 
our ground eyes are, are gone. We've abandoned the place. Uh, uh, we've abandoned them out on uh, air, air base there, and uh, so we have no, no no military presence whatsoever. Have no nobody that will trust us uh, anymore, with probably good reason uh, to to cooperate with us on intelligence gathering, and uh, and of course it's a it's a human tragedy of great proportion. Not when you think of uh, you know, most particularly women who you know, go back into the Stone Age and uh, under Sharia law. And, and having to have a chaperone on their outside of their house and a male chaperone and all those uh, all those kinds of issues. Meanwhile, we've got probably tens of thousands of people that can't even get to the airport. It's surrounded by the Taliban. And it uh, seems like there's a reliable word that they're going house to house to search out uh, any uh, Afghans that have cooperated with uh, either the government that, that we try to establish there and or, uh, you know, interpreters. And there are many, many interpreters that we're working with our, our ground personnel and uh, not to mention just Americans that are trapped there that can't get to the airport. We saw images of the chaos and mm. horrors at the airport at Kabul, uh, you know, frantic families running with their small children trying to chase you know, C-17 cargo aircraft to try to jump on board, and a couple people apparently tried to hang on to the uh, wheel wells and fell off at a, after it been airborne, and I guess one was found dead and on arrival, so... It's just a terrible, terrible mess, and it was not, of course, so much that there wasn't going to be a drawdown because, you know, I think that was one. But but there's no there's no logical way reason to have a complete with you know withdrawal from the country that left them without air support at this critical time, and again abandoned the the other airport that was about an hour's drive away from Kabul, where. We can't get our people to the airport surrounded by a Taliban mm-hmm. that are, uh, they say, well, you know, come, you know, we'll, we'll treat you with, you know, with uh, some, some you know, latitude. But, uh, you know, the last time they took over, they converted the soccer field into a execution area. So, uh, God, God, I hope that doesn't happen, but there's nothing, you know nothing to be happy about in this and uh, it's scary to have such a feckless uh, administration at this time uh, totally totally clueless representing the interests of our country you can imagine how now China and Russia which are going to walk into the vacuum and make nice with them not to mention Iran uh, and it's this this fiasco is the best recruiting tool that Al Qaeda and ISIS ever had mm-hmm. to show uh, how weak and uh, as unreliable America is. It's it's a horror show. 
And, and not even uh, not even loyal to American citizens. I mean, I can't believe that uh, Jensaki actually stood up on stage and said that uh, we're not going to make Americans a priority. Where you know, they're going to have to wait and shelter in place until we can get to them. That to me, yeah. Is- and, and you think of, you know, you can kind of imagine the, some of the conversations behind the scenes. You know, in, you know, in the, in the White House, whatever, whoever they are, you you, know, you never know who's who's uh, doing this, but, you know, they've got Biden full of visions of grandeur. You know, he's accomplished nothing in 50 years of politics. So now they say, Joe, you can, you can have this great legacy. Now you can be FDR. My God, you can be Napoleon. And, and, and I think they, they filled him with this stuff that, you know, nine eleven coming up, uh, you know, you can be the one that liberates uh, American troops from, you know, from, you know, from Afghanistan. And, uh, I can only imagine that happened, and it was going to be a big, you know, a big PR coup, you know, and and what what a horrible disaster! Uh, the fact that that uh, there was obviously there's barely a plan A, and there certainly wasn't any plan B. No, and it, it just you know you have on your Newsmax column, by the way, you look at, on point is the name of the column. And uh, uh, the picture that supports it is uh, showing Biden at the table, uh, looking at the TV, kind of a, a Zoom call type of thing going on. And uh, we've all seen it. Obviously, it's been photoshopped. I mean, it makes me wonder if he was even involved in the decisions around how this all came down. Well, somebody pointed out the timing and you know, the time on the clock. That would that would have you know I'm not you know remember exactly, but. Uh Again, suggesting it was photoshopped, and uh, here, here's here, here's Biden, uh, presumably in control of the situation, and 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 it, you know politically, I you know, and I, I mentioned this in the article today. It wasn't more a little over months ago. You know, they, remember remember the Biden State Department had declared that they can have Black Lives Matter and and gay pride flags over all the embassies. Yeah. And, uh, you know, good luck with that now in terms of, you know, human rights uh, in, in Afghanistan. I, I tried to find out if there was any flags like that on, on, the, on our uh, embassy in Kabul. I couldn't I didn't see any reference to any, but, you know, this, this, this kind of deranged detachment of what's going on. And we're, you know, we're going to have, you know, going to have a woke military now that's indoctrinated with, you know, Critical race race theory, and we're and we've decimating. You know, China's building up their navy, and they're they're building up their space space activities, and and uh, particularly in terms of satellite, uh, being able to 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 do great uh, damage to our satellites, or or block us from even communicating with our satellites, and so on. And they're talking about uh, you know critical race theory and. And uh, this 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 nonsense. Yeah, white rage. Uh, you have these political generals that get their stars from you know being you know uh, tuned in with you know the most liberal elements of, of the party, 
And it's it's scary. It's so scary. It really is. Again, Professor Larry Bell, the book, What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional, terrific read. Also, the column on point, Biden and the Handlers, Hunker in Bunkers. I encourage you to go to Newsmax.com and check it out. Professor, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Bob, let's wait for happier times. Let's hope so, indeed. Thank you, Professor. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Tomorrow, we're going to visit with Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Katie Gorka from the Heritage Foundation. We're going to be talking about parental rage right now, what's happening in schools. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government and the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be joining us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.